You're listening to the Master Photography Podcast. Welcome into the Master Photography Roundtable, part of the Master Photography Podcast Network. You're joined by thousands of photographers listening to the show who are all on the same journey to master their photography. I'm the host for this episode, Jeff Harmon. And in this episode, I'm joined by my good friend, Jim Harmer. Jim, how are you? Awesome. Really good to be back on. It's been a while. Yeah, it has. I'm so glad. I, I took a chance. <laughs> I, I had a topic I wanted to do podcast on. And uh, so I took a chance and said, is there any way you're available? And I was so happy to hear you were. So thank you so much sure, for coming on. Yeah, Short I'm glad time. to be back. <laughs> I, this is like... This is like a huge portion of my life has been making the, these podcasts for uh, on photography. So, yeah, love it. I let the listeners know in our Facebook group that um, that you were going to be on, and I've had a bunch say, "Oh my gosh, I can't wait to hear from Jim. This is going to be great." <laughs> so, oh, that's fun. Such a good group of people. It is. It really is such a fine community of photographers. All right, so let's let's talk about this topic then. The topic today, um, I don't know why this has happened, and I'd be interested to know from the listeners, either through the Facebook group or just you can actually go comment on like the website too. Uh, no one ever does, but you can like if you're not a Facebook user, and I totally get it if you're not. That's another route you have to be able to communicate with the show or send us emails. We have lots of contact stuff at the end, but um, a lot, whole bunch of listeners have been asking the question about the process they should go through or what they should consider in pricing and licensing their photos. Uh, most of them are, like me, a hobbyist photographer. We don't do this professionally. It's not how we're trying to make our living. Uh, rarely do I sell or license an image for for anything. And so I wanted to bring someone on who knew a lot more about it than I did, both from the experience level of licensing photos and from like a little bit of a legal level because you have a legal background, not not anyone's lawyer who's listening, but but a legal that's background. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, so I, I just wanted lawyer. to. <laughs> that's right. They're just for Jim. <laughs> but uh, but yeah, let's let's talk about this. They they want to do it. And before we get into that, real quick, I just want to mention we've already had a show on it, so I won't spend much time. Here here, but in case you missed it, maybe one of the reasons they're asking this question, I don't know, no one has told me why. what's happened, why they're getting asked about this and they, they really haven't before, uh, but one of the reasons might be some changes that have happened to Google Images search, and there's, there's a thing that photographers can do so that their images can end up in those search results, and if you have the right information either inside the image or in the like the html around the image which is much harder to do so there's you're not going to want to do that you want to put it inside the metadata of the image is what it's called i have a guide that shows you step-by-step illustrated guide the five pieces of information google says has to be embedded within your image in order to earn this licensable uh, badge that they put over the top of the image as they show your image in search results it has licensable and it has it'll it'll uh, if if someone clicks on it they can be shown a link about where they can find out how to license that image and and all of that so if you haven't been doing that it's really not too hard especially in Lightroom Classic to go set this up so that it just happens every time you import photos you're applying this this information Google needs and have it show up so go check that out I have links in the show notes if you want to uh, to check out that guide it's either and we have a, a podcast about it as well as as a written guide so you can choose which way you want to learn about it. But pricing and licensing for someone who's never yeah. done it before, Jim, 
what what kind of a process should someone who's never done this before go through to figure this out? Well, I, I always say, you know, the, the price is what the market will bear. Um, and to try not to make anything too rigid in your pricing that won't work well um, to determine what the market will bear. Uh, for example, um, you know, there are a lot of people that uh, kind of work on a p- cost plus model or whatever for uh, their photography. And I just don't feel like it, wor- it works that way. Um, for example, you know, I spent you know, almost 10 years running, uh, running, uh, improved photography. And I, if I would have priced my photos on kind of a cost plus, I'd say, well, uh, you know, I went on this, uh, trip to Canada. I took this many pictures over these days. And so this photo costs this much plus a little bit of profit. Uh, if I would have done that, okay, that, that works for some types of photography. But then when you consider, in those 10 years of taking pictures, it's only about 100 that rise to this level of being my best work right, ever. Right. And so now how do you price that photo? <laughs> Suddenly it looks very different than just that one particular day's cost and stuff. And so I feel like most image licensing just should not be used on any kind of uh, scale like that. And instead, we're trying to price things in a way that uh, works for who your buyer of the photo is. Um, and so when, whenever I, I would receive requests for, uh, for my photos, wherever humanly possible, I would always say, and what's your budget for, for purchasing this art? <laughs> uh, you know, um, And I mean, nine times out of 10, so they would say a price that I'd be like, hmm, that's more than I would probably <laughs> normally charge. <laughs> right? um, and it works really well. I, have you done that before, Jeff? So I have. I have done that before. I, I heard your advice on that very thing before. In fact, I'm pretty sure you told this story a while ago where you, it, it was like early on, you had an image someone was interested in licensing and you were really glad that you just asked that question. What is your budget? Because they said a number, you were like, whoa, <laughs> I wasn't going to come close to that number in my licensing that I was going to propose. And then you knew now what I can do is maybe don't go all the way in, but now I know I can go way above what I was thinking I could price this at because you asked the question about budget. Yeah. And you know, the other, the opposite is also true. Um, Sometimes you say, so for example, uh, when I was in law school, um, I got a request, a very unique request um, from the son of an older woman um, who she just loved her backyard. She loved watching the birds and she really liked watching her neighbor's flag fly. Um, and so they sent a request for uh, me to take, um, and he, he put it in the email as do fine art photography of her backyard. And I thought, oh, okay, you know, this is, you know, I mean, I'm going to kind of picture this like a wedding uh, kind of pricing, you know, $2,000. Maybe I go out there five, 10 times, uh, wait for the right sunsets, and I'm going to produce a couple pieces of art. And she had a very scenic backyard. It was on the beach and stuff. Um, Uh And so that was what was in my mind. Now, if I would have just given that price to them, they would have said, what? And freaked out because that wasn't (laughs) what they had in mind. Uh, When I asked what their budget was, he said, oh, how about $200? See, his vision was come out for an hour and literally just snap a picture of the darn flag um, and then just 
upload the pictures. Um, and I was like, oh, okay, 200 bucks, great. I'll come over this afternoon. You know, it, it was that simple. He just wanted something simple. And for 200 bucks for me to take a couple hours and do that, no big deal. Right. But I got the job because I asked for the budget. Sometimes it is way more and woohoo, we would just party. Sometimes it's way less and you find a different way to structure what you're doing for them to have it make sense. And, and the less jobs aren't, they, that's something you can build from that's something where like now that person that you helped out with that cost is they're gonna like talk about you forever with all your other friends and and uh, the the elderly lady was probably so ecstatic to get the photo she'd do the same she'd tell everyone like this very nice photographer came over and that you have like word of mouth spreading and and that can be a, a super valuable aspect of this beyond just whatever you got out of that one job and right. it it's yeah, a, it's good to pay it forward a little bit sometimes. <laughs> yeah, and the same is true with image licensing, you know, that we're focusing on today, not just, uh, you know, services of right, photography. Right. Um, but the same thing with licensing. Somebody says, well, how much is this photo? Um, and, you know, if they have a real high budget, well, ooh, okay, I got some great ideas. I could do this in the, you know, really dial in um, all the color grading, everything on, on this image. Um, I can send it to this custom photo printer and I can have it nicely matted and framed and really present a beautiful piece of art artwork to you. Or for half that cost, I can just quick ship out a canvas gallery wrap. Costco actually does a really nice job. Mm -hmm. um, and I can make a pretty decent print for your wall. Or if we're talking even cheaper, um, for 50 bucks, I'll just give you the file and you can go print an 8 by 12 and you can handle everything. And so it's really nice to be flexible where you can um, because it really does help the customer too. It's not just about bilking everybody for as much money as you can get. Okay, do you think this is any different for a pro versus a hobbyist? Most of the listeners who have asked this question, I think you're coming from the same position I am. I'm not making, this is not how I'm making my living. I know I need to price, I'm, I've got enough skill levels now that I know I need to price things um, appropriately. Like there's there's reason to, to charge for this stuff for sure. Um, but I'm not trying to be a pro. Is there any difference there? Do you see any difference between those two? I don't think so. I, I, to me, I, I don't think so because in the end it's, it's a work product. You're mm -hmm. buying a product. You're not buying Jeff Harmon. You're buying a photo, right? Um, and so I, I don't know that it matters so much who the photo came from. Um, unless I guess there's some kind of discussion of, Hey, I just want some quick family photos and I'm okay with the $50 photographer. I realize this isn't going to be amazing quality, mm -hmm. but again, that's to the quality of the photo. It, I don't really care if you're full-time, part-time, or this is your first gig ever. If I get the, the quality that I'm happy with. Right. It doesn't matter if you lucked out, you didn't even know what you were doing really, but you managed to get a really good image. <laughs> that's fine. Yeah. You know, it's still produced. It's still a very good image that is worth licensing um, even if you lucked out getting it. Okay, so just structure-wise. Can I mention though, something that I'm yeah, really excited about with it, with, uh, with the licensing uh, as, as a model, though? Yeah. Um, is I had a lot of success um, with... I had... 
do I still own the domain? I don't think I do. Um, photographyidaho.com. Obviously, I live in Idaho. Uh, nope, I don't own it anymore. Uh, but I owned it for a lot of years, and it was just where my photography portfolio was. Uh-huh. Um, and I did my site. I think I used Squarespace for my site. Um, and I really did it just to show my photography to people who are, you know, listening to the podcast and everything. Um, and then I started to see a steady stream of, uh, of requests coming in to license the photos. Um, and eventually it got to the point that it was just like a lot, a lot, like an almost maybe not quite weekly basis, but really, really regular, uh, people, uh, requesting to license photos. And the reason that the site had done so well and was sending so much business, um, and I didn't put much into it, I mean, I really uploaded my portfolio, um, is because, well, one, um, it was, you know, Photography Idaho, and I had a, a, just a category of it. There was just Idaho Fine Art Landscape Photography is what I had called it. And then I uploaded a whole bunch of images in Idaho. Um, and I had just a two-sentence description of the photo, uh, which, um, so for listeners that, that don't know my story, I guess I ran Improved Photography for 10 years. I sold it. I don't own any part of Improved Photography now. Um, and now uh, for the last several years, I've been teaching um, at IncomeSchool.com. I teach SEO and internet marketing um, and uh, the Income School YouTube channel. So that's that's our full-time thing. That's that's what I do now. Um, anyway, so the, the SEO, the search engine optimization side of it, it's just something I, I always focus on. And by just writing a couple sentences about each photo, um, it made it so it was searchable. It made it so somebody could search for, um, you know, a doctor's office that was coming in and said, hey, I, I love the hiking in the white clouds, you know, uh, and they search something like beautiful pictures of the white clouds. Right. I come up and on right on the website on each uh, page, you have information about, you know, do you want to print, you know? Um, and so I got a ton of requests that few of them, very few of them were asking for one. It was mostly like a medical office, a dentist's office, a lawyer's office, whatever, that they wanted to order 12 beautiful landscape photos to outfit the office. And, it was working really, really well. Um, now, if you live in New York City, I mean, it's going to be a lot more um, competitive. Mm-hmm, um, right. But something like Idaho, uh, just it worked really well. Or, you know, if you're in Utah, it's a bigger market. So maybe you do um, whatever, Logan, Idaho or Logan, Utah, <laughs> right. in fine art photography, something like that. Something that's, that people will be searching. Um, anyway, it worked really, really well. And I'm that's I think combining those two things, giving it giving Google enough that they can know about your image and where it came from, so that it ends up in Google Images search. And then if you're tagging it right, you're gonna you get not only your website but now Google Images search as people go start there on their images. If you can get that licensable badge on there, it it can really drive. I I think it could be a boon for photographers. I think this is a really good thing as long as photographers put that information in there. Then, then that can really, really help them. So that that's a, it's an exciting prospect, I think, for a lot of of hobbyists. Uh, the, you know, the standing joke is mountains never paid anyone to take their picture. Um, so it, mm-hmm. it's it's tough to be able to try to make much off of landscape, uh, fine art, non-service sorts of photography things. 
uh, you know, weddings and seniors and all of that kind of stuff has been where people have made their money, uh, mostly for photography for a while now. Um, but this, this is a, a possibility, I think, of, of something that can really help if you put a little bit of effort. It doesn't take a ton, but a little bit of effort behind trying to make your images searchable, having the right information embedded in them. Um, then, then it could be really interesting. Maybe that's why these photographers, like I said, I'm, I'm wondering if that's why the photographers have asked these questions about licensing, um, because they've, they've seen yeah, the uptick I, in it. Yeah, I, I think it's great. And, and including, you know, a lot of work situations changing now and people wanting yeah, to right. dress up their home offices and stuff. Just a, a lot has changed recently, um, with, you know, what Google is doing and just, Anytime there's motion and a lot of businesses moving to different offices, different sizes and things like it's going to be a good market. Right. Okay. Now I just want to get to practical things again here though. I want to, these hobbyists that have never done it before, how do you even come to like, well, here's the lowest I would go, or here's what the image should be worth to, to be licensed. How do you come to a number? Yeah, and it's hard. Um, I, I think everyone wants like a specific structure. Uh, you want to have like a reason for it. Mm -hmm. um, and I think we need to realize that it is just what the market is going to bear. And so let's just put a number up there. And if we get a lot of traffic to your website with no requests, well, the number's too high right. and we got to drop it. Um, and if you're getting so many requests that it's annoying to do this for 20 bucks, then let's start raising the price. The price you set, especially for a you know one-time license of an image, you can change it. it. It's not there permanently. So just put something and then let's work with it and we can move up and down. But here's what I did specifically um, on the Photography Idaho website. No, it wasn't Photography Idaho. It was Photographer Idaho, I think, that I had. <laughs> okay. Anyway, um, uh, what I did with it is I put a price for the image that was just like, hey, you want to just download this image, you handle your own print, you can do one print of this up to a certain size, but if you're handling everything, 50 bucks, right? Mm -hmm. Just okay. go for it, right? Yep. And then it kind of sets a, a price that like feels approachable. You know, somebody's opening a dentist's office and we like to say, ooh, I, you know, I want a $10,000 order, but come on, they have a lot of expenses. They're opening an, an office. They probably don't want to do that. Um, but if you have an approachable price and they say, hey, I could work with this guy, they email in and uh, a lot of the times the you know they'd say hey, you know I want 15 what can you do for me uh -huh. and a lot of the times the the discussion would go like hey you know if you just want to buy them and you want to handle all the prints and framing and everything that's fine but i would say that i've done a lot of printing from you know Walmart and Walgreens and that kind of stuff and i just you're gonna hate the print. <laughs> it's right. gonna look bad. I promise you're gonna come back to me, tell me it's too dark and too magenta. It's <laughs> every uh -huh. time. Um, and uh, so I can do the order for you um, and get you like pro quality that your office is gonna be looking good. But tell me what kind of budget you're looking for and, how, and what size walls you're kind of wanting to fit. And then I'll put kind of put a quote together for you. Uh -huh. And then like, you're really like, on the same team now. Now it's like, okay, they have $2,000 and not, not a big budget. We're going to do a lot of canvas gallery wraps. They're cheap and big, right? Mm -hmm. um, and you can kind of give them some tips there. Say like, hey, if you do canvas gallery wraps, you can also buy the foam acoustic squares on Amazon and put behind them. And then it really is going to quiet down your office. Cause I, in the pictures you sent, you know, add a tile floor and it's going to be really echoey in there. Just like cool things like that, that you can provide as a photographer 
that you're on the same team and you're just working through it. And if they say, oh, it's a little bit too much, I don't want to spend that much, then okay, then let's change it and let's do more, uh, you know, eight by tens and cheap frames. Right. Okay. All right. So that's good. Just putting a feeler out there and then based on kind of a reception of that. Now, but there's a danger in that too. Like, what if you're not getting any traffic? Like nobody's seeing your image. How, do you, how are you going to know that? Yeah, so uh, I would absolutely install Google Analytics on your website. Uh, so it's free software um, that uh, you just put a little snippet of code, and it works if you're using Squarespace, Wix. Almost all the major uh, photo sites are, are, will support Google Analytics. And then you can see exact data of how many people came to your website, which pages they visited. Really easy to see. And so, you know, and you have to recognize that maybe 1% of the people are going to actually convert. That's normal. Uh, But if I see that, you know, 5,000 people have come to this page and looked at this image over the last few months, and I got two licensing requests, something's up, you know, I, I'm, I'm not giving them any price. So they just think, ah, it's too expensive. Or maybe the price I am giving is too, too high. Maybe it's hard to contact me and just work at it from there. Um, it, it doesn't have to be like this. In fact, I, I think it just works better. I mean, you have to have some price. So they, uh, because some people are going to be nervous, like, I don't want to contact them and have them tell me it's a $5,000 custom art piece. <laughs> right, you you right. kind of feel, I don't all the time. If I have no idea what something costs, I'm like, yeah, I'm just not going to ask. <laughs> just, right. And so give them some kind of price. But I also feel like if you're too structured on this is just what everything costs, then you, you can't. I mean, it takes two emails I can work back and forth with you, and we probably can fit your needs in in your budget. It just will just change what kind of prints we make and stuff. Yeah, I think striking that balance is super important. Of no, I know for me personally, I'm just thinking about my own habits as I'm looking into buying something. If I have to make a phone call, it's over. I'm not doing it. <laughs> yes. That's uh-huh. not going to happen. So if if that's the only way that people can license your images is you're, they have to call you. I think you're going to struggle to really sell an image. Oh, and same. I completely agree. <laughs> same goes for uh, like no pricing. I I think to me mm-hmm. when I see no pricing, like you just said, either you are assu- the person assumes it's too expensive, or uh, there it's still going to take too much effort. Like I have no idea about like what what even I don't know basic expectations should I have going into this licensing negotiation? And like, if you have a base price, if you have something out there that gives them kind of a ballpark number about where we're talking about, then they can easily be like, okay, I I think I could do that. And that might be Uh enough to bring them in, convince them to, to invest the effort it takes to send you an email and ask about licensing. Um, and, and then like you'd said too, if, if you get so much activity on this, then the image is, is popular enough or some, lots of your portfolio is popular enough that you are fielding too many of these. Now, now, you know, you need to increase the price. So I, I do, I like what you talked about there of maybe not completely lowballing, but what, what is something that's worth at least your hour of your day to go through and negotiate or, or send emails about an image and potentially send something off to the printer to get it printed? Uh, and, and maybe that's the consideration of like where to start. Yeah. And another thing I would say, you know, I've talked a lot about, you know, the, the big orders of, you know, 12, 15 images. 
um, that's wonderful when they come in and uh, photographers should work up to it. I guess the one um, suggestion I would have is don't take that as your first gig. Uh, I, I know it's, you know, maybe you've done photography for a long time, but if you haven't done a ton of printing, you order 12 prints and it's like, oh no, they all came back dark <laughs> um, or something. It's like, right. shoot, now you're out a thousand bucks. Yeah. Uh, it's expensive to make that many large prints. Um, and so it's it's better if you start with the ones and twos kind of prints until you have your printing game really dialed in, uh, then you, you, it's probably going to be a better experience for you. And I say that from experience. <laughs> <laughs> uh, my, I made my first big batch of prints. And when I did, um, the printer that I had been using uh, was just, uh, it was a little too expensive for that many prints. And so I wanted to find someone a little bit less expensive. And so I got recommendations from other photographers. Um, and, and it was a good printer, uh, the, the quality was good, but I learned that like, uh, eh, you know, I've got to send them a little bit sharper of a file, um, uh, for this printer. Uh, and they all came back and I was like, ah, anyway, I was really disappointed with them. They just weren't quite as good. Or, you know, you're ordering a canvas gallery wrap and you don't quite have an image and you, uh, in your brain of what it looks like. And you say, oh, a half inch thick frame should be fine. And then you get it back and you realize like, oh, if you go to a 24 by 36, a pretty decent sized print and it's only a half inch edge, it just looks super wimpy. It's like you just <laughs> tacked up a piece of canvas to the wall. It just, you know, it just doesn't look good. You need a thicker frame around it. So dial your printing game before you're doing big orders. Yeah. Okay. Or be careful on that first big order. Maybe order a test print, like include yeah. that in your licensing estimations and how, what your turnaround time is going to be. If you know this is a place, a place you've never done yet, give yourself a little bit of time so you can like do it a, a single test print and, and figure out how it's going to go. And, and if you like this one, or if you need to maybe find another lab, all that kind of thing is, is good, good advice. I've had the same problem. <laughs> Same experience. Yeah, it stinks. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's really upsetting when you're like, well, now, now I need to wallpaper my own walls with these <laughs> with these images. Mm -hmm. The same one that I don't like and it's it's not fun. That's bad. It's a bad day. Uh okay. Bad day. Let's let's say that that a uh, one of these listeners has has had this discussion. Someone has said, "Okay, that is a great price. I'm really good. Like both sides are happy." Now we need like an actual like licensing agreement or contract or something like that that we we work on here, right? Is, isn't that something? Isn't that a, the next step? Is somehow you need to create a document and both of you are signing it, or is is something needed there? Yeah, I mean, if you're making a print and handing it to somebody, just hand them the print and walk away. Like it's, okay. it's a pretty simple transaction, right? Yeah. But if you're sending the file anywhere. Every time you send the file, you must have a contract because, uh, in fact, I had this situation happen where um, somebody bought the file and said they wanted to um, make a print for their office when I was uh, in law school in Florida. Um, and so I sent, I sent it to him and said, you know, great, you can use this. Um, and in the email chain, we had only talked about a print on their wall. And then a couple of years later, somebody said, oh, I saw your photo as the banner image on uh, for this business. And I said, what? Uh, and I went and looked at their website and they had used it across there. Now, I don't think they were trying to be, you know, devious or or 
do anything wrong. They just felt like, oh, I, I did buy that photo. Mm-hmm. And they don't, they don't know how it worked. Um, really, the problem is me. I wasn't clear in the photo. You can use this for one print on your wall and then delete this file, you know? Um, I wasn't clear about it. And so, I, you know, I just didn't even make an issue of it because it really was my fault. But you, that will happen. You will definitely see them um, use it in ways that you did not anticipate. Um And so you just have to be super clear. And that's really what a contract is. I think a lot of non-attorneys become really intimidated with contracts uh, that you feel like, no, I need like this silver bullet legal language in there. (laughs) Um, And when when it comes down to it, a contract, the whole purpose of it is just being super clear about what you're doing and what they're doing. So there's no misunderstanding. Um, And so if you really just bring out a Word document and you just explain clearly what they can use it for, what they can't use it for, how much you're selling it for, and just spell it out, that's actually a lot better than you going online and downloading a template that's not that good and trying to get really fancy. Uh, sometimes you get yourself in more trouble than you than you, uh, you thought you were preventing trouble and you kind of just create it uh, for what you do. Um, so uh, you asked me to, to look for a, a photograph, uh, photography template, a licensing template. Mm-hmm. I, I looked at a bunch of them that are online um, uh, the, to try to find something that I could recommend for you for a template. Um, I, this is going to sound a little self-serving, but I don't even own improved photography. So I'm not doing this to sell anything. <laughs> uh, this is going to go to somebody else. But I did make the license agreement uh, when I owned improved photography. Um, and so I, I would really recommend going to uh, uh, improved photography. I made a prog- uh, product called the uh, Photography Contract bu- Bundle. Uh, if you just search improved photography, photography contract bundle, it's like 15 bucks and you get like a wedding photography uh, contract if you're doing it as a service or a family photography. Uh, but you also get an image licensing agreement uh, that if somebody's just buying a one-off photo and it's written in a way that um, covers you legally, uh, but also is like any non-attorney can easily fill this out with out getting yourself into trouble. Um, and so um, I know I made it, but I really do like that one. I think <laughs> right. uh, for 15 bucks, it's, I, I think it's worth it for 15 bucks. Sure. Okay. And that would be, that'd have good examples in there, templates that they, they could use to be able to create something. But if you don't even want to do that, just being clear, use your, use like everyday language. You, you don't have to have legalese in it. That doesn't make it more legal because it has legalese language, right? Yes, absolutely. And yeah, if you don't want to do that, fine. Um, you really, and that's what I was saying before is you really will do fine um, by just going and saying, you know, I, Jim Harmer, have sold one photo. Um, and then you describe the photo, right. you know, blue lake uh, with yellow sunrise and, and tree leaning over to Jeff Harmon on August 1st, 2017, or whatever it is. Right. Uh, I just went three years in the past, Jeff. Um, <laughs> yes, you did. And, um, you know, for the, for the price of whatever, um, Jeff can use the photo to make one single print um, uh, up to this size, and then he has no further rights to use the photo for anything else. Sign Jim, sign Jeff, we're done. Like, that is a great licensing agreement. You do not need anything crazier than that, especially for a fine art print. Do you need actual like pen signatures on these things? Does that matter? Not necessarily, no. Uh, a digital signature really is as good as a pen signature legally, other than you, we just need a way to um, 
to uh, prove that that is that that's your signature. And the concern with pen signature with uh, digital signatures is it could be faked more mm-hmm. easily. But but also remember um, a contract. Um, well, I, I should I should back up a little bit. Um, there are certain situations where a contract needs to be in a formal way for something this simple. It's that would. I, I almost rarely, rarely, rarely be the case. And so you could do the same thing over email. Um, you could write up um, an email that just says, hey, just uh, just to be really clear, this is what I'm doing. This is what you're doing. This is what we're agreeing that the price is and everything. Um, if you agree to these terms, uh, just please write back an email and say, I agree. That's going to be fine. <laughs> it's it's going to work okay right. uh, for something as simple as, you know, making a print with this, uh, of right. this image. Now, the one um, specific kind of legalese thing we do want to get into um, is just explaining that this is a license to use the photo for this specific use. You're not transferring the ownership of that image to the person. Yeah, you'd transfer ownership of a paper print to the person, but you're not transferring copyright rights, ownership in the copyright to that person. So that's probably the one thing where I would say, yeah, you really want a legal sentence there um, to just really simple say, you know, I'm licensing this photo to you. Jim Harmer remain, uh, retains all copyright interest in the photo. Uh, that, that's probably the one thing I can think of where maybe you could get yourself in trouble is if you said like, uh, you know, I'm selling this image to you. It's like, ooh, what does that mean? Mm-hmm. What are you selling? Right. And making it clear to the person, like you mentioned, your experience, it, it, your image ended up on the banner. If you make it clear right up front, like it's only for this one print that you're going to do for your office or whatever the this purpose is that you've agreed upon, that will help them to not make the mistake. Like they, they may not have known any better. They may have felt like I paid for this image it is now mine to use however I want. It's like not trying to be abusive or not trying to take advantage. It just doesn't even come across their mind. I think of like music way back. We all, a lot of people used to think, in fact, I saw a TV show recently where there's someone who had this mindset in the 80s and they were saying, um, some, someone had said, it's going to be really expensive to license this music to use in a video. And they said, no, I have it on cassette. It's in my car. Go get it. <laughs> and, and it's like, no, 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 that's not, that's not how that works. But it, to that person that just doesn't even register, like, no, I, I bought the tape fair and square. I paid for this thing. And, and thinking that that gives them more privileges to be able to use it however they want. And, and it just doesn't. So being as clear as you can about that so that we keep the honest people honest. That's just a good thing to do. The people who are going to steal it are going to steal it. But the honest people honest and, and making it clear is, is a really good thing to do up front. I, I want to ask you one more question about well, Yeah, uh, You know, Go could ahead. I piggyback on that though, yeah, Jeff? Yeah. Um, is you'd be surprised at who doesn't understand how basic <laughs> copyright works. Um, there were a few times where in the photography in industry, I had issues with a photographer who was n- no malice whatsoever but used my images in a way that were way not okay. And when I contacted them about it, they couldn't have been more apologetic and they just really didn't get how it worked. Uh-huh. Um, I, I'll be vague on this, but um, I did one example where um, I'd used, uh, uh, I printed with a certain company. Um, I, I just, you know, ordered a print um, from, from the company. And then I found that they were running ads with my, of my picture, you know, the printed picture 
that like they were running ads of that picture. Um, and I was contacted by, by people in the improved photography audience that said, Oh, I saw that this company, uh, that, that you were endorsing this company. And I was like, what are you talking about? <laughs> no, I, I used them. Um, and yeah, sure enough, they were running ads of my picture that people recognized as being mine. It was a unique one. Um, and, uh, I mean, that's a, company in you know especially photography printing company they should really understand copyright and that was way not okay to be running ads of my uh of my print and it wasn't like you know my my picture was you know on the desk far away in a in a pile of pictures like it was like somebody holding this big beautiful print of mine you know like my image was 90 percent of the screen right um and so you'd be surprised who doesn't understand and so i guess just one tip that I had to learn because the first few times it happened, I like got really upset. And then I realized like, Oh, okay. They just really didn't understand. And so let's just work through it. Uh Okay. Yeah. It's defending copyrights, a whole nother topic. One that I probably should have you come back on. We we could talk a little bit about your experiences there. I want to ask you a, this is going to sound like a stupid question probably, but I've had it asked listeners ask me and I had my own thoughts, but I have no legal backgrounds. So I just, I really don't know. So I want to ask you, uh, retaining copyright. Google has one of the fields, one of the five fields that you need is copyright. It needs to be in there. Um, so two questions on it. Does the year of the copyright, like, should that be updated frequently so that it's the current year or do you do it once in the years there does the year matter and that funny c symbol with a circle around it copyright symbol does that have to be in there what's what do you need in that in that field okay so yeah this kind of goes back to the same thing as the licensing agreement where we feel like we need something <laughs> really legally um and you really don't so specific in this field you know best practice is to say you know the copyright um of when it was taken um but uh, there could be a good argument for you know um copyright uh jim harmer 2012 to, to, to 2020 or whatever but then you know this image is going to be distributed across the web um, and you're not going to be able to keep that updated all the time for different instances of it and so I would probably just use the date of publication uh, for the image now date of publication um, is see it's another one of those things it's not like if you don't have a date suddenly you don't have as much right to the image and then it's unprotectable um, you know copyright uh, dates matter because of the length of time you can copyright uh, a work right. and you know nobody can copyright the bible it's old um but uh you know we don't have to worry about that in our lifetimes and so the the date is not that big of a deal same as the c symbol um yes it tells everyone that this is copyrighted and that you uh, are uh, you're you're claiming your rights to the image but frankly whether you do that or not you still have the rights to the image and so okay. it's kind right, of a so like that's... yeah best practice thing but it really makes no legal difference at least in the united states and that's all i can speak to right. Right. Uh, for the laws, I have, I did hear once something about um, in Mexico that they had a law um, that the C with the little circle around it had some kind of actual legal effect. Um, I can't, couldn't tell you anything about it. Uh, <laughs> okay. But in the United States, at least, um, yeah, it doesn't matter. You you got your rights, but yeah, that's a best, best practice. Right. Now, okay. and having that copyright notice there. Um, I, the the more important thing is the practical effect of when somebody sees this image, they're going to know who it's from. Right. Um, there's a major problem on the web right now 
of websites distributing free images um, that they'll have you know free stock photography sites with thousands and thousands of images on them and if you look into the the legal information on their websites they say um, you know yeah we're saying this is a public domain image actually it just means we found this on the web and we couldn't figure out anybody who owns it and so yeah i mean it's free right and it's just not how it works in fact a blogger i just heard from yesterday uh, who got in trouble and got a fine from a photographer a fine um i you know sent them hey give me money kind of a uh, document uh-huh. um because they did this. They went to a free stock photography website, uh, used it. They tried to do everything right, um, but the image was not free. That site had got it from a photographer who very much did care about the image. And so uh, just a warning as well, if you're a blogger or anything, um, I would not recommend free um, photos. I license every photo we use for that reason because you don't know where it came from. Perfect. Okay, I wanted to go through one last thing and then we'll kind of close up this episode. And that's, uh, I've seen a lot as I was looking into this, trying to educate myself on the topic. Um, there was a lot of discussion about royalty-free versus rights managed. That seems like even though it could be kind of a legalese point and as long as you're making it super clear about what you're going to do, we don't have to worry about this too much. But you may, a photographer may run into the situation where they they do need to like understand this and if the use case uh is i'm going to print t-shirts using your image and i'm going to be printing thousands of these t-shirts and selling them you may not want to give up a license for you know just a one-time license fee you may want to have something where you get a little bit of that every time they use the image so would you walk through kind of the differences between those two Yes, so I guess first explanation here is these aren't legal terms. Um, it's not like you have a, you know a specific contract that must say this phrase or that phrase in order to be one or the other of these. These are really more industry terms and how we describe these two different types of licensing. <laughs> Excuse me. So a royalty-free image is what you see on almost all stock sites. Um, that you know, I buy this image of guy on bike, and then I'm going to use it on a bunch of my blog posts. Um, and there will be limits to how I use those. I can't also print it on a T-shirt and you know do twenty thousand runs. Um, there there can still be limits on what those things are, but it's a fairly expansive license for use it to for you to use it on what you need to. Um, then a rights managed um, is more where uh, the photographer is going to establish a relationship with the business as they share that image. Um, so um, in here, we would have an option at least uh, to do an exclusive uh, use of the image. Uh, so let's say a graphic designer makes kind of a stock uh, uh, uh graphic and then they want to a business says you know what we kind of want that to be our logo and so we want that to be an exclusive design for us Mm -hmm. so that would be a a rights managed agreement there Um, usually this is a rights managed agreement is going to be where we're exceeding what most royalty free stock websites are going to allow you know we're going to do a hundred thousand runs of a t-shirt right Um, we're going to use this uh, on a banner for a major political campaign something like that where the image is going to be used to such an extent um, that uh, 
that the image is going to be associated with that company and not as a standalone image anymore. Um, and so usually it's going to be negotiated for the use. So for example, um, uh, forever ago, I, I did a deal with Nikon uh, that I wrote a piece for um, for their industry public publication. I can't even remember what it was. Um, and they uh, made an agreement with me on several of the images. And uh, it was very specific on, on how they were used, but those images were exclusive uh, to Nikon. And they had to pay me every, like every two, three years or something uh, that that blog post stays online. And if they want to renew it for another three years to keep that blog post online, they need to pay me again. And um, so that was a, a, an example of kind of a rights managed deal. Uh, it was a much more uh, detailed contract uh, of what was allowed. Okay. And, and I, more than anything, I just wanted to make sure um, photographers were aware. Like I, I know for me, when I first was contacted for someone wanting to license an image of mine, I was so excited that someone wanted one of my images. I was like ready to give it up for nothing <laughs> and, and sign away all my rights. She's like, yes, you, you know, give me the little money and, and it's yours. You can go do whatever you want with it. And uh, it, it, I was just overcome by the excitement. And I wanted to make sure that, that photographers were aware, like you can, you, there's other options, especially if they're intending to use it for, um, you know, publishing something themselves that's including your image, you you want to consider that and work with them on, you know, a fair deal for both of you, but don't just give away your image and let them have like full rights to it from, from that point on in doing whatever they want with it. Unless you really real want that, you may want to, like you may be interested as a charitable sort of thing or whatever it might be. There could be some reason that that's what you want, but just make sure you consider that and don't get so into the excitement that someone is actually willing to pay you for one of your images that you give it away for nothing. That's a good point. I'm, I made that mistake with uh, stock photography, like uploading oh. to, you know, iStock photo dreams time, one, two, three RF, those kind of sites. Um, I, you know, got, got really excited about the potential of putting up these images and then getting checks every month for all these images that I that I put up there. And I quickly realized um, that once you go stock photography, it's pretty tough to undo that. Um, and the reason is, so, you know, I take a, a chunk of 100 different photos and I uploaded it upload it to this stock photo agency and that mm -hmm. one and the other one and the other one. And then I, I just, I realized so quickly that that was a mistake because one, the checks weren't what I thought uh, they would be. Um, but then the other thing is now somebody would, I, I'd see my image somewhere and I'd be like, did they license it? <laughs> Did yeah, you have no idea. It? Right. I don't know. You just, you lose total control over your uh, portfolio and you say like, is that one that I uploaded to stock <laughs> or did I not? Did I maybe put it on one of the agencies and I forgot that it was up there? I can't even remember which agencies I'm working with. There are so many and I might as well upload to all of them. Just realize when you do like, you know, the royalty-free stock photography and you upload your uh, bunch of images, you are losing huge control over your portfolio and you probably won't ever regain it. Yeah, I've done exactly the same. I've seen it and uh, I made mistakes on like some of my very best, like my some of the ones I was most proud of early on. 
I put out there on stock photography thinking I'd try to make some money because I wasn't, nobody was, in, you know, asking me for licenses early on. And, um, and I have seen those images all over the web as I've looked or yeah. and I, I, just the same approach. I'm like, I have no idea. They probably got it from stock or maybe they didn't, but I, I sprayed it out to the world. So I can't really do anything. Yeah, There's no way to prove it. I mean, I, I, when you see it somewhere, you'll have no way of knowing whether they licensed it or not. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. Okay. I, I think I hope this is gonna be helpful for listeners that are considering this, trying to figure out where to price it. I, I always struggle with I get these questions all the time, pricing their own services, pricing for portraits, weddings, whatever it is. And it's so challenging. There's so many variables, so many things to consider. I think it's tough and, and I feel bad saying it depends. It really depends on where you're at, what you're doing, who's asking, what the business market's like. There's so many things to go that go into this. Uh, I wish I could give a more straightforward answer, but I think we've covered it about the best you can on, on giving people, uh, photographers, something to think about and that might at least help them come up with something to, to give a try as they're going forward. Um, all right. Very cool. Let's go into our doodads of the week. What do you have for us, Jim? What's your doodad this week? Yeah. So I wanted to think, you know, I, I, I'm not doing as much still photography as I, as I used to. Uh, so I wanted to like, think back of things that like were really good buys, big major purchases, um, rather than just like the gadget that's kind of here today, gone tomorrow. Cause there are so many of those that are fun. Um, and I love all of them. Uh, but one of my favorite pieces of photography gear I ever bought is the Lassie six big. Um, so this is a raid system. Um, that you can, you know, you can customize it how big you want it, but it has six hard drives in there. And that thing is fast. I mean, it is so fast. Um, I've had it for a few years now. Um, super reliable, never had issues with it. Um, and it is fast. Um, it's using Thunderbolt 3. So it's great if, uh, if you're using Mac um, because uh, there aren't that many uh, that are Thunderbolt compatible. Lots of USB-C, but Thunderbolt 3 specifically, um, you know, you can use it on Windows as well, but um, really, really good if you're on, if you're on Mac. Um, that's one that is just so hard to bite that bullet bite that bullet. It's like, it's a, it's a few thousand dollars, uh, to get a big raid by this. But I noticed that I was not taking good care of my portfolio. Um, you know, I had it spread across a couple drives and one day I realized like, Hey, you're spending years on this and you're just allowing your portfolio to be at risk of losing it. That's not okay. Like, let's just get this done. And there are different sizes. You, they make even just a two drive, you know, I think it's called the Lassie two big. Um, this one's the six big. So you can get much less and, you know, spend 500 bucks on a two big, something like that. Yep. Uh, but I, I just think it was so worth it. My workflow sped up so much by having a super fast drive all of my photos in all of Lightroom in one folder on the drive. Uh, for me, it was a great buy. Uh, I totally support the one catalog, all your photos. I've been trying to preach that oh, yeah. for forever. I just don't think it's worth it to split up your catalogs or split up all your photos across multiple drives. 
it's built to do this. That's what Lightroom, Lightroom is built to handle this kind of stuff. And I've done some testing. I've, I put a million photos into uh, Lightroom catalog just to see what would happen, how it would perform. The performance is the same. It, it's That's no longer an issue. It may have been at one point. It's no longer a problem. But this, you do run into a storage issue at some point. Um, we do have single drives are getting bigger and bigger and bigger. So you can put, you can kick the can down the road quite a long ways now in making sure that you have like an external drive that you use for your photos maybe buy a second one for backup purposes. We've talked about this a ton on the podcast. Um, but th- this is a great solution for when you get to the point where, yeah, one one drive's not going to meet your needs anymore. I have bigger storage needs than that. This is a really good solution. I also want to include in the show notes, uh, my friend Greg Benz. He's awesome, awesome. Yeah, he's great. Technology guy, um, does really good work with photography. He created a blog post because he went through a few different solutions. Some of them were not working at all, especially for Mac. And he had some, he discovered some important settings that you can, that are good to consider with the, the Lacey Six Big in particular. So you, you'd want to, you might want to go check that out if that's, uh, if you're interested in this device, which I totally agree is, is a really, really good device for, uh, for storing yeah, photos. I- yeah, that sounds great. I want to read what Greg wrote about that because um, I, it's been a few years now, but I, I when I tried the Drobo, uh, I owned a few different Drobos and was not happy when I when I saw the speeds of what Lassie can do compared to Drobo. I mean, it was night and day. Right. So I, maybe Greg has something more updated if that's changed over time. Uh, but I mean, it was. I I guess I just kind of thought, oh, they're all big companies in the industry; they'll be pretty similar on speed. No, no, no. They were way different how fast how fast the Lissy was. Yeah. Okay. So go go check out what uh, Greg Greg's thoughts are. I think he actually prefers a different brand, but it's it's they're good recommendations. So you can go check that out. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. I want to. Okay. Check. Uh, my dude out of the week is totally free. I love it when I have a free one. I feel bad because yeah. I've I've had too many that were like way too expensive too, and and I I've wanted to do free. I like free. So this is called the Dot Tune autofocus micro adjustment it's a like a method you can use on the the dslrs if you're mirrorless this is not a problem for you so you don't have to worry about it but if you're dslr every lens and camera combination actually kind of has need to check this and i i have found i i do it about every six months or so or especially after i've done a shoot and i'm like I am confident I nailed focus on that shot and it's not in focus. It's close, but it's not in focus. It's not tack sharp on the eyes of the person or whatever. I can tell that it's, it's been a problem. Then I just grab my lenses and camera and I go and run this again. And I'm surprised that like, yeah, it's changed my maybe jostling around in the bag and the cameras, like these are such minor adjustments. It doesn't take a whole lot to maybe need a different adjustment after they've they've bang around in your bag for a little bit. I'm not sure what is causing it necessarily, but I, I've seen that it just ends up being different every time I try it. Um, there's lots of ways to do this. One of the best that I like because it's totally free. It's the fastest way that I've found to do it and um, has really meant a lot to the sharpness of my photography has been the dot tune method. Um, you can go look it up. There's some pretty decent videos, but I'm also working on a video where I'm going to demonstrate it. I just had to do this. Um, there's a, a friend of mine who asked me to, uh, to calibrate their lenses for him. And, uh, so I decided to kind of dive into that again and just reminded me about how valuable it is. And, uh, and wanted to suggest for everyone that uses DSLRs, this is not talking to like the quality of your lenses and cameras. 
it's how this stuff works. And so it's not like, oh, I got a bad lens. Uh, I mean, you can get a bad lens, but it's not necessarily that. The cameras are built to do this so that you can make these micro adjustments and get it so that your your autofocus will be more reliably accurate than, uh, than without. And so a lot of them have a tendency to either front focus or back focus. Um, and you still get some that are totally on focus, but your consistency might be a little out of whack. And if you do this AFMA process, it, it can really bring that back in. So it's a free thing. Very, Very cool. cool. Yeah. That's a great resource. Yep, I love it. And so you, you can watch for a video. I'm, I'm working on <laughs> getting a video out on it. All right. Uh, we're going to close up the show here, Jim. Thank you so much for, for joining me on such short notice. I really appreciate you Anytime. bringing your expertise and, and helping me answer these questions for the listeners. I hope they, they all got something out of it. I'll remind you, masterphotographypodcast.com is the home for the show. All the show notes, everything we've talked about in this episode will be written out. Um, and so you can you can see that and you don't have to worry about like writing a ton of notes down as you listen to the episode. It's all there for you. You can join our Facebook group, Master Photography Podcast. You can search for that and be able to, to join. You do have to answer the question. We want to keep the spammers and the bots out of that group. So uh, we want listeners only. You have to answer who is a host of the show. And for this episode, Jeff or Jim will work. People still confuse us, Jim. <laughs> I feel bad for you because... <laughs> oh, yeah. Jeff Harmon, Jim Harmon. Yeah. yeah two... Hey, you know what? Yeah. Put Jeff Harmon or just put Sally and he'll know. Sally. It's fine. Sally. Yeah. I, I've <laughs> even had like, uh, at one point we said Lord Page will work <laughs> for, for, nice. for Nick. Uh, and so yeah. I, I know I've had listeners that have been there a long time because I still see occasionally like Lord Page is one of the suggestions. They're like, oh, good. They're a listener for sure. <laughs> yeah. That was funny. Um, you can find my work, jsharmanphotos.com or my other podcast is Photo Taco Podcast. It's a monthly show and I break down topics uh, trying to explain technical things in easy to understand terms. And so if you're, if you're interested in trying to understand some of the technology of your cameras or your post-processing software, you want to go check that out. My other Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter contacts are there in the show notes too. Jim, where can people find you? If you want to learn internet, internet marketing, check out the Income School uh, YouTube channel. If you like true guns, go to the Backfire YouTube channel. Nice. I like it. And uh, Income School is great. I've, <laughs> I've been following a lot of the stuff that uh, Jim and his, his uh, team teach about internet marketing, and that's really helping my Photo Taco podcast. So I... Oh, it's just so exciting what you can do on the internet. <laughs> uh, it's the best business ever. I love making content. Yeah, it is. It's really fun. I enjoy it too. So, all right, listeners, uh, I, I hope you all enjoyed it. We thank you so much for listening and subscribing to the show and we'll see you